0: This is the Going in Circles podcast, hosted by Horseman, Chuck Simon. To become a sponsor, to suggest topics, or for questions, email Podcast at gmail.com. And log on to our Facebook page, Going in Circles podcast. Here's your host, Chuck Simon.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Going in Circles live. It's Tuesday, April 6th, and we are less than a month away from the Kentucky Derby, which of course is the biggest race that's run in this country. Uh, Arguably, Ed DeRosa would say the biggest race in the world. He might not be wrong. Um, We had three Derby preps this past weekend. We had varying levels of results and going from really surprising to kind of surprising to kind of not surprising and um, a lot of other stakes action. Um, it's a little bit uh, uh, thin in the quality field size department. We we didn't uh, have a lot of really outstanding undercard stakes. We had a lot of them, but most of them weren't all that great, which is uh, seeming to be a fact of life these days as we just... Uh, uh, you know, there's a variable number of variables that are in play there. And uh, last night's was a depressing show, so we're n- we're going to try not to be depressed today. Um, we have a couple guests, good guests today. We have a uh, we're going to start off with Aaron Veracruz. He's going to come on and 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 talk uh, Derby Trail, and uh, with the Arkansas Derby and the Lexington being the only legs that that haven't been run coming up this uh, this weekend pretty close to getting the field set. Uh, the Arkansas Derby was uh, drawn not that long ago, and it um, to say that it would be a uh, uh, David versus Goliath would be an understatement as um Tour looks like a blinking light in there. Uh, Caddo River is back, and he drew inside <laughs> Contour again, so I know there was a little bit of controversy over his tactics last time. whether they decide to not to rate him into submission again this time um, might be uh, one factor that that could possibly change the outcome of the race, um, but the rest of the field is made up of um, uh, mostly horses that that uh, haven 't really done a whole lot I don't want to call them lightweights but uh, it, it would be a, a major surprise if concert lost it would be a minor upset if, if Cato River could turn the tables again using different tactics anybody else it will be a big surprise um, perhaps as big a surprise as uh Verbonic I wrote a little piece for uh, going in circles digest monday <laughs> I was desperate to use the bourbonic plague as a as a headliner but um that that was that was certainly a, a big surprise and um we'll talk a little bit more about that uh with Aaron uh we have Sal Sinatra coming on later in the program uh Sal is uh i think vice president of racing in the Maryland jockey Club is his title, and Maryland has been dealing with um a herpes outbreak equine herpes outbreak now for a few weeks and it's um it's really a lot worse than it sounds because it's uh it's passed through um the air transmission kind of i guess not that different than covid right um except it's very very highly contagious and it's difficult to know to keep horses isolated on a backside i mean certainly you can keep them in their stall but um most barns especially uh in the northern part of the country where the the barns are winterized the airflow is not great the um the ventilation is not great and uh, as such it, it's it's easy for those kind of things to uh to run through a barn or uh, be be passed on to, to other horses uh it can be transmitted through uh, a, a number of different ways and i know this because i have experience with this this happened to me um a long time ago, maybe 15 years ago, at uh, Turfway Park, we had a filly that, um, uh, a nice filly of Mrs. Thayer's, Stella Thayer, who owns Tampa Bay Downs, a horse chestnut filly. And she actually kind of looked like she was developing into maybe a minor, minor stake type of horse. Um, and she worked one morning and worked well. Actually, she looked like she was in good health. Uh, got a phone call around mm, 1 o'clock that afternoon from my assistant up there, uh, TC, who's actually uh, Mike Stidham, one of his main assistants now. And TC said the Philly can't get up. And I thought, well, wow, that that's, you know, she must have fallen in her stall and, um, you know, hurt herself or injured her hip or her pelvis or something and called uh, Dr. Barry, came over, and... Uh, you know, Doctor Barry was a was a veteran. Uh, he's an old. I don't want to call him old. Well, he is kind of old, but uh, he had been around a long time, so he wasn't one of these guys who was going to see something in panic. And he called me, and I could tell in his voice right away. He's like, "There's something really wrong with this filly. We need to get her to a clinic asap." And and I said, "Do you think she's you know hurt her pelvis or some you know some way?" And he said, "I think it's neurological, and um, we need to get her." the rude and riddle ASAP. And we got her down there to Ruden riddle uh, animal hospital in our equine hospital in Lexington. Uh, I got a call a couple hours later from the vet there. And, and of course, Ruden riddle is one of the, the best, uh, arguably one of the best equine facilities, hospitals in, in the world. And they have, uh, you know, people that, that, that know what they're doing. Um, and the call was not a good one. It was that uh, she had tested positive for the equine herpes, and it was a viral, a really um, a, a different strain than normal. And uh, because she had been um, vaccinated for the herpes, and at the time I, I didn't realize. And and this is sometimes you learn things when you go through them that um, there's like eighteen different strains. And we're only vaccinating for one or maybe two, so this obviously wasn't one of the ones that we we had vaccinated her for, and as such, um, uh, you know, she was almost assuredly not going to make it because uh, her condition deteriorated so rapidly. Um, you know, it was almost unbelievable to me to, to believe that she could have worked a, a half mile that morning and you know 6 hours later be just unable to walk um and she was she was put down and our barn went into quarantine um and there was another horse in the barn uh, another trainer's horse who also tested positive but never got really bad symptoms um and w- what turfway did and then uh uh Rickley uh, the late Rickley who was the director of racing there, he allowed us to train our horses because we, we had to be um, quarantined. No one was allowed in or out of the barn without uh, uh, checking with security. We had to wash our shoes and our hands and everything when we came in, when we came out. And he gave us a, a little time frame at the end of the day, uh, the training day, of course, the morning, where we could train. It was about a little over 30 minutes, so about right about 40 minutes. And I had, I think about 16, 17 horses over there and we got everybody from all over the place to come in and I was sending out sets of seven and eight, um, as opposed to one or two. And, uh, you know, we were able to train and at least keep the horses active every morning. We had to take temperatures, uh, every, I think three or four times a day because the temperature spike is, is really the first sign, um. And, uh, we were in quarantine, I think like 36 days. I think the clock got reset. Every time a horse tests positive, a clock gets reset again to zero. And I think that it happened once or twice. Um, but, uh, no other horses, uh, came down with it, you know, badly. And, uh, you know, we, we wound up, it was kind of a, almost the best case scenario. We, we obviously weren't able to race for, for that time period, but, uh, we didn't lose any other horses and, um, you know, we, we were able to, to keep, keep going so i I know firsthand how difficult it is, and it's kind of frustrating when you're involved in it immediately because you don't know and you every day you're praying that when your guys go through and take the temperatures of the horses that uh everybody's going to be healthy there's not going to be any coughing there's not going to be any uh uh temperatures uh which would lead to obviously testing uh, again and uh we were we were fortunate to uh, to escape with just that you know short time frame and it, it looks like as of now, Maryland is going to be able to um, start to ease their way out if if everything stays the same over the next ten days. They have a uh, a new meet that's uh, starting on April seventh, and and Sal will talk to us about uh, what's happened there, the protocols, what it looks like for the spring meet. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about the Pimlico project and um, and uh, what what's going to happen with the Preakness and, and things like that. But uh, Sal's a good guy and uh, happy to have him on, and um, you know, we might even get into uh, talking about his one of his pet projects that that uh, I'm 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 completely 100% sold on, and that's uh, trying to to come up with uh, a way to classify horses outside of just claiming and straight allowance races, and uh, maybe we'll get a few minutes to talk about that as well. Um. Uh last night Barry and I talked a lot about the LASIKs issue and it's just um it's just mind bogglingly depressing for me. <laughs> because I've been fighting this for a long, long, long time. And sometimes it feels like um uh, it feels like you know, you're swimming uphill. Are you yeah, swimming uphill? <laughs> You're swimming upstream um, because it's it. The anti-lasix people are on a crusade, and virtually nothing that you could say would matter. No matter the facts, no matter the figures, the data, um, just uh, you know, general arguments, financial reasoning. It, nothing really worked and it's frustrating to, that people fall for it and people fall for the, it's a performance enhancing drug that that's a load of crap. Everybody knows it's been involved in horse racing for any period of time that a performance enhancing drug is something that's illicit. It's illegal. It's not, um, it's, it's not given to every horse in every race it's just it's just silly to to, to classify it like that is, it's just uh it's like it's like classifying um speeding tickets as felonies because you know it's breaking the law right um but it's 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 frustrating at this point because it's too late it's too late we can't do anything about changing what we need to do at least the horsemen of the country need to do with hopefully backing of the people who play races seriously is to try to mitigate the damage that 's going to be done. The hidden scrolls of the world are 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 going to be getting uh, more and more play um, that doesn 't mean there'll be horses that are going to be bleeding like they 're shot, horses bleeding out of their nose in view of everyone. That doesn't happen that often, but that doesn't mean that anything underneath that category of of EIPH, exercise-induced pulmonary hemorrhage, isn't um, a problem. It is. It's a real problem. Uh, I think part of the problem is that the transparency is going to be lost here because of the influence of bloodstock in this country, the bloodstock market kind of is the, the tail that wags the dog of racing. And now in a, in a non six world going forward, bleeders are going to have a scarlet letter on their pedigree page in some way, shape, or form. So no one wants to know, or, you know, or excuse me, no one wants to let you know if their horse bled. No one's going to want to know that. Trainers aren't going to want to know that. Yeah, I don't want you to. know. If I'm training my horse, I don't want you to know my horse bled, because if I run him back again, and they they run poorly, then people are going to say, "What are you doing? You're riding this horse that keeps bleeding. Retire him. Get stop." And it's not that easy. It's not that simple. The peep, the guy who bought Hidden Scroll, paid five hundred twenty-five thousand dollars for him, and I know people lose money on horses all the time. That that's that's understandable, but but we're making it more difficult. And at what benefit? Where is the benefit? Five horses in the Santa Anita Derby got got trounced. And yeah, they were kind of lightly credentialed horses for the most part, but were they 25 and 35 and 60 lengths worse? Hard to say that. How many of them bled? We don't know because no one's going to volunteer that information. It's, it's just going to be confidential at this point. And to believe that people are going to volunteer information that, that might affect um, future valuation of their horses. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> that, that ain't happening. <laughs> it's just, uh, you know, sometimes in this business, we, we get. Um, it's like fourth grade, like we all believe, you know, that's going to be a happy ending at the end of the day. And it's like, uh, you know, the, the Hallmark movies in the end, we all know, just wait it out long enough and it's going to have a, a positive spin. Well, guess what? When you're dealing with hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars, the positive things are, are, you know, the negatives, excuse me, are, are going to be, uh, are going to be washed away as much as you can. Um, with us to talk about the positives, not the actual positives, but the positives of the business, the Derby, which is uh, our biggest event, e- even bigger than the Breeders' Cup, uh, is Mr. Aaron Veracruzzi. Aaron, do we have Aaron? Right.
2: Nice job.
1: There you are. How- Can you
2: hear me? Are you guys all right?
1: No, nah, we're good. You're good now. Perfect. How, how's, that, how's things out on the West Coast today?
2: Well, so, I, I mean, I think a lot of people probably know me from Santa Anita and HRTV, and, and my background is California, but I'm in Arizona now. Um, you want to talk about the takeout in racing? Um, Out-of-state tuition for my daughter going to U of A in the nursing program is <laughs> something <laughs> that I didn't want to pay, so I moved to Arizona, and, uh, and I'm here now.
1: Well, it's good that she's going to the finest uh, university in the land. Um she is. it's also good that you're now paying in-state tuition. <laughs> uh, well,
2: I will. Uh, my son graduates Long Beach State next month, so like I have two colleges that I love.
1: Nice. Well, you, you know what? Listen. Once they're through college, you know, at some point you're going to get old, and you're going to need them to take care of you. So you you know you want them to to get a good education, get good jobs.
2: Chuck, have you seen a picture of me lately? My beard is white. That was teenagers for my kids.
1: You know this. <laughs> yeah, mine's gotten a little grayer too. <laughs> I I keep pretending it's blonde, but it. it I noticed it, that. I it, noticed that. It's not. You know, it, it, it's supposed to add wisdom. I tell you, I, I my my handicapping lately, the, the wisdom has not been there. This weekend. Oh, Ooh. I got a,
2: I got a great tip over the last weekend with Burbonic. Um, J.D. Fox, I don't know if you know who that is. Yes, uh, yes. He he does a lot of social media. He does a lot of things in racing, and and he's most of the time behind the scenes, and you don't get a chance to catch him. But him and I have been talking a lot lately, and he's here in Arizona, and and we're actually thinking of starting up something in addition to what I currently do. But um, he he called Verbonic, man, and and he texted me. He's like, I love Verbonic. I'm like, you're crazy. But you had me at, like, 30 to one morning line. Like, I am all in. Anybody that tweets me a long shot, you know my handle on Twitter, at and I am all about the long shot. When chaos happens, that's so good for the better. That wasn't a day maker. That was a month maker. That was a rent maker. That was a mortgage payment maker right there.
1: That, that was a um, – I, I saw on Twitter that he had – he had, had touted the horse, um, and he was literally the only person to tout the horse. Uh, I, I know, I, I know. If if we had put a lie detector, we snap one on Todd Pletcher and said, "Guess what? We're going to ask you the question. If it was up to you, just you, would you have entered that horse in the wood and with no pressure from Calumet Farm? Because Calumet loves to run big races, and they don't care if they're a yeah, thousand they to one. They they they, yeah, they don't they run. Go. And this is why, <laughs> you know, this is why. And and I'll be honest." I, I like it. I mean, yeah, sometimes as a trainer, you're probably like, oh, God, you know, I'm going to run this horse. He's got no chance. But the fact of the matter is you can't win if you're not in. And, um, you know, Brad Kelly's got plenty of money. <laughs> you know, he's not doing this because he's trying to, uh, uh, you know, uh, add to his coffers, I think. I think he's doing it because he likes to see his horses race. And, uh, um, you know, th- sometimes it, it works out and. I was talking to, to, to I do the show on Monday night with, uh, with Barry Spears, and I said, you know, the truth of the matter is Kendrick didn't really ride the horse to win. You can't ride a horse that's six to one like that, where you just take them all the way back, just sit in the back, and, and, and hope to pick up the pieces because people will, you know, scream, what are you doing? But in this case, it, it really worked. You,
2: you know, the Derby points, I mean, if you look at, that was a really rough weekend for the bubble horses. I mean, we wanted, you know, the, the, the horses were, that were on the bubble wanted the Medina Spirits to win, right? Sure. And that was a tough weekend because one good race, and I mean one, and that's a top-two finish means you're in the starting gate. And you don't have to be one of the best 23-year-olds. You just have to run well one day, one time, and, and I think we saw maybe a lot of that happening. I mean, if you're going to tell me, and, I, and I'm just going through the Derby points list. Like, if you're going to tell me Wayburn is 11 and Mandaloon is 12 and concert tour right now as of today is 13, you're out of your mind.
1: Yeah, no, like that,
2: that, 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 that is bananas to me. But look, we've seen horses get—I mean, I'll never forget the only Kentucky Derby. And by the way, I've watched every one of them since I was eight. But the only Kentucky Derby where I said to my like self and out loud in the stretch, who's the eight? My Matt Bird. like, <laughs> and I love long shots, but I was like, no way. My, who's the eight? It might be one of those years, Chuck. It might be because I sense there's so much tactical pace and speed, and what you know, what the Pat Day mile has done. the kentucky derby is it's taken a lot of the speed out of the race what the preps have done is taken a lot of speed out of the kentucky derby and if you look back to justified you look back to american pharaoh those horses sat really easy nice trips and they didn't have to overcome many obstacles they just put themselves in the race early on and the race didn't come apart at all I think this year is going to be a little bit different. I, I don't know. Look, I am a long shot guy, but I smell chaos
1: this year. I, I agree to to a, to an extent that um, we're going to have more speed. I, I, I've been on this kind of kick for a long time. I, I hate the derby point system. Not that not that they have a derby point system. I just don't like the way the race the 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 final preps are too important and the earlier preps are are not important enough. And I'm not talking about the two-year-old preps. Yeah. Um, You know, I'm not talking about races in September. I'm talking about races in January and February. They need to bump those races up. We can't have the Southwest, which has been a really strong prep, be a 10 point race. And when you're going to add, the, you know, the Jeff Ruby and the UAE Derby and, you know, some point, you know, a European or a Japanese horse. Well, you're just making the early races almost, um, you know, negligible. They're not even important at all. And we're going to get a maiden in the Derby one year and he's going to win it because he's going to run second in one of these last races. And he's going to get in a Derby and in a year like this where we have so many inexperienced horses and so many horses that have run their best race on the lead, well, they all can't get to the lead. So (laughs) like you're saying, at some point, you're going to get a a, a mad rush, a chaos type type of race, and a maiden's going to win the freaking Derby, and then everybody's going to be like, oh, geez. But the fact is that the, the way the points are distributed just doesn't make sense to me. I just don't understand why the Arkansas Derby is worth 10 times what the Southwest is worth. It it's it, it's essentially the same horses for the most part. Yeah. So wh- yeah. No, why I mean, not? Look, you know, it's
2: early on in the in the Derby Trail. I, I look. I, I I guess I do, I could argue both side, sides of the fence on the Derby Point standings, but to have everyone think and and compare and look at social media, and I know you do. Look at social media prior to the Florida Derby, and Greatest Honor was the next orb. And, and as a guy that worked for Stronach for 20 years and knew Gulfstream is a hard track to close on, and it's, it's one of those tracks that closers that leave Gulfstream I always loved, and I bet Orb, and I loved Orb. But to look at Greatest Honor as a forgotten horse within a week and a half, like a week and a half like he's forgotten, he's eighth on the derby list, points-wise. He's probably going to finish in the second ten, points-wise. But not a career does one race make. And it's so funny for me to watch racing and especially social media. Um, just what have you done for me lately? Like it's a big jump on the bandwagon or jump off the bandwagon. And to me, greatest honor deserves all kinds of respect going into the first Saturday in May. And I'm taking nothing away from Essential Quality, who's done nothing wrong. Hot Rod Charlie, who is what-have-you-done-for-me-lately con- type of pick. Like, okay, so is that good enough to get it done? Like, the king is third in derby points right now. I'll synthetic Jeff Ruby stakes stakes win. Like, really? <laughs> I, 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 I think there's going to be some forgotten horses, and I think there's so much value this year. I'm super excited for Derby Day.
1: I mean, I look at the derby point list right now, right? And I know I get it; they're all in, but how does Rebels Romance, Rock Your World, and Brabonic have more points than Greatest Honor, Medina Spirit, Midnight Bourbon, the horses that have been dancing all the dances and been running well every time? And it just shows that the the last preps are just they're just weighted too heavily because the, you know as uh, the Derby needs uh, you know, people want to win it. But the fact of the matter is, Mark Cassie's proving, and I love you, Mark, but you, sure. have, no, you have no shot this year. You, you,
2: you and I both love Mark Cassie, but
1: what he's doing won't is, have doing dollar of he's, my
2: money, and I guarantee a dollar of yours either.
1: He's just trying to get in the Derby, it seems like. Sure. And I understand that that's what owners want. They want to go there, they want to be there. It's a great week. Uh, I mean, hell, when you're in <laughs> Louisville, it's a great week clear, if, if you have not one he or not.
2: win. we're saying he won't have our dollars.
1: I don't think he can win. I think it's incredible.
0: no, but, I, mean, I, I, will, I will. On,
1: I will stand here like and say he you. won't win. <laughs> but okay. I mean, anything can happen. Bourbonic one, you know. Happen. But the same. But but my point is, when you have a lot of really nice, talented horses, throwing them in a twenty horse race off of a one race in six months, um, off of uh, you know these, and I'm not saying they shouldn't go. I'm not saying that at all. Sure. What I'm saying is that. The point system has created this situation where we're running half the field that really doesn't have the proper foundation. They just don't. You can't get a horse ready to go I, a mile and a quarter to in a 20-horse field. I'm
2: going to say this because I, I, on social media this morning, I compared Rock Your World, the Santa Anita Derby winner, to Barbaro. The ill fated Barbaro, we all loved him. But what he was was a turf horse based in Maryland that had been routing on grass, had never run on dirt, and he was an X-factor unknown in the Florida Derby, and he popped up with a huge run,
1: first time on
2: dirt, and we would have never seen his greatness in that Kentucky Derby if it wasn't for that final prep, right?
1: No, absolutely. He hadn't
2: raced in any races that had any points.
1: No, true, true.
2: So Rock Your World ran twice on turf, and then comes and hands it to Medina Spirit. Like, literally not only handed it to him, but made him sit down in the back corner, handed it to him. And we wouldn't have seen rock your world in the Kentucky Derby if those final preps weren't weighted that big. And I think sometimes when a 2-year-old takes time to mature and a 3-year-old that you're trying to bring around, you wonder how good they are, and then you give them that final prep into a chance at a starting gate spot. See how good they are. Honestly, so I, I, I think I, I, I imagine, understand. I mean, it's a double-edged sword, right? Like, there's horses that I believe should not go in the starting gate that will. And there's horses that only because of the point system and how it's structured will make it there because they deserve it off that last prep.
1: And, and uh, you know, I will pay devil's advocate to your devil's advocate in that, number one, Barbaro had five two-turn races he before did. the Kentucky Derby. Five.
2: Yeah, but 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 who did he face?
1: It doesn't like, matter. He, it, it's about there was no racing. Derby, there was no Derby points on the line. There was nothing. Like, nobody knew how good he was. No, that's I, under, I that, understand that. No but him. the point is this, is he had five two-turn races. He had plenty of foundation. It's why he won. The problem with Rock Your World, and, and Rock Your World wouldn't have, based upon what John Sadler has said, Rock Your World would not have taken this tactic had the point system been a little bit different. Uh, I mean, the horses that win the last preps should get in. You you can't have a prep where, you know, a derby prep where in the big race, the horse wins the last race for a derby doesn't get in. It's the second place horses that bother me. Um, if you had it seventy five points for the winner, they still would get in. They'd always get in. And No one is ever going to not get in with seventy five points. But no, you know, no. The point, I'm, the point I'm is that
2: saying, I'm, I'm just I'm drawing like Barbara. Without that Florida Derby race being so many points, would have never gotten in.
1: Right. Like but,
2: I mean, you need that final. Well, the Florida prep. Derby
1: is is the final prep as well. So even if it's seventy five yeah, points, but you need he's that still get get prep. in. Like
2: like yeah, you need that final prep to matter because it took. Barbaro that long to even have a chance to try that level of competition.
1: True, but the it's fact a, the fact that it matters is, your is world. that.
2: and by the way, it took confidence from Ronis Racing for Rock Your World to try that kind of competition. You,
1: you have you have very and and it's you just have so many horses that just they just don't have the proper foundation. It's a mile and okay, a quarter in a twenty horse, a, horse I'm field. I'm going to give you an over under. I mean, think about the it. Justify in the, on the
2: exact in the Kentucky Derby this year. And I'm going to say it's three hundred dollars. What do you take, over or under?
1: I would say for two bucks. I would say over.
2: Yeah, I agree. I agree for sure.
1: I mean, I think it could be any kind of bomb, but you might get a horse like Medina Spirit winning it, or an Essential Quality win it, or not an Essential okay, Medina Quality. Spirit Medina Spirit. It,
2: I, I I'll I'll walk home from wherever I am, well, whatever old TV I'm at.
1: The one good thing about Medina Spirit is he he he's a grinder. And he's going to keep running, and he's run, Grinders. On, on a, he's run under different so circumstances. Got, so you got
2: 14 horses that want a positional, with positional speed. Only one or two of them can actually try and make the lead and, and with success, or all of them are done. And you got deep closers coming by. You like Medina Spirit to sit behind pace and then hold off the likes of the Shug and everybody I else. Think,
1: I think half the horses are going to get to the quarter pole and, and be gassed. I think I they're going to be gassed. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I don't I mean, see uh, how, look, as a, as a horse on trainer on for twenty right, years.
2: I'll go on record right now. Medina Spirit. I will not have a dollar on for sure. Oh,
1: that's that's fine. No, I mean, I'm not uh, like again. I'm not. I'm not saying that he's a, a surefire winner, but he has. Oh no! But at that least is he's Baffert had the Derby. Like he has had yeah. proper amount of of seasoning, and you have so many horses. It's extremely hard to get horses fit. One of the reasons Baffert wins, and I've been talking about this for years. Baffert trains his horses hard. You don't see half miles and 50. You see three-quarters and 11, three-quarters and 10, uh, ace. He trains the horses hard, and he has the luxury of having a lot of...
2: Medina Spirit concert tour head-to-head, who do you like?
1: Concert tour. But the fact of the matter is concert tour also has had everything his own way. I mean, And
2: the Concert Tour has the same tour, style as four tour, others that want to run in that he, race.
1: He ran in a four-horse race in, uh, yes, in the race, yes. right? And then he ran in the yes. race where, where Cotto River, you know, strangled, uh, got the stranglehold, and, and he loped to the lead, and, you know, he had all the things his own way, and that race has not exactly come out as a strong race. Nothing from that race has, has done a thing. So, Chuck,
2: would you agree the beauty of a Kentucky Derby is that you leave nothing, like, you, you leave it all on the track, like, you're not running for a piece of that. You're trying to win. So when you talk about pace, soup and sandwich, who I believe does not have a chance to win the race, but will absolutely play a factor in the outcome.
1: No doubt. So uh, it, if it's you like, think about um,
2: that, like pace makes the race, like the Derby's gonna be loaded with pace. And what happens if Kevin River wins the Arkansas Derby?
1: Exactly. Exactly. It just becomes. And I think the only way he can win the Arkansas Derby is, is if he goes to the lead. I well, mean, he's
2: got what well, we, we saw he couldn't rate the win. Right.
1: He tried so, that last time. God. So I can't I mean, imagine they're, they're going to try it again. again. Right. So, like you said, he goes to the lead and he wins. All right. Now he got to win at all costs, horse. You got soup and sandwich. You, you have. Um, uh, rock your world you have uh you know if baffert goes with concert tour and he gets beat off the pace well he's going to want to be on the lead <laughs> you know all of a sudden it, it's it's like wow we, we all have of a sudden, a,
2: it's 45 and four for the opening half mile
1: right and part of it is because some of these horses are so inexperienced they haven't done anything they were they were to win uh it's why i didn't like prevalence it's why i didn't like um the Safi joseph horse in the florida derby in the the dynamics of a two-turn race are so much different than a sprint. And in the sprints, those horses were just so much better than the, the competition. They just ran out away from them. And, and it was just, you know, it was a man-against-boys thing. But then, you know, a horse like Prevalence gets in the, the wood, and he gets stuck on the inside. And all of a sudden, he's getting dirt kicked in his face, and it's a different track than he's been running on. And there's another turn, and it, it's, it's hard. Uh, and, of course, he also had the misfortune of, of missing a little bit of training because uh, he'd gotten sick. But it's just, like, like Justify, people, like, they love to use Justify. There's only one Justify, and Justify was trained by a guy, like I said. He is never running a short horse. Baffert does not run short horses. He just doesn't. And people, no, people can no, say whatever he's, else he's they want about and, and
2: him. And he's going to separate them out, and
1: yes, exactly. he's
2: going to try and get as many points for as many owners as he can. And as a guy from Southern California, I've been there, done that, and watched it happen, and... I mean, he plays the game very smart. He puts them in the starting gate, which you can't win the Derby unless you make the top 20, right? No, but you can't win the Kentucky Derby if you're number 21 on the list and all 20 go.
1: So he's smart enough to get
2: them in the starting gate. The preparation from the final prep to the race itself, I'm not sure there's been anybody better at that than Bob. And, and that pains me to say because when Bob wins, I lose. Yeah, exactly. Because those are favorites, they usually win that everybody loves, and and racing gets a, a you know a, a a good kick on on media because the silver-haired fox you know struck again. But as a race fan, you got to enjoy the fact that he knows how to prepare them and get them ready for the starting gate. So I don't care who the I mean who the longest shot is or the favorite that Bob Baffert has in the gate know the final three weeks to the Derby, he's going to have them ready to run their best race. Whether that's good enough, I don't know.
1: You know, when you go back to Bourbonic, you talk about like horses that are going to be in a race that affect the race but don't actually have any chance sure. or don't win the race. You look at Market, Maven, and Bourbonic. They came out of the same race at Parks. Market, Maven, got an easy lead and just galloped along and, and beat yep. beat Bourbonic by four lengths. And if you take... Market Maven, out of that race, Barbonic probably loses because then Weyburn probably goes 52 to the half. And you have a different uh, a different dynamic. And, uh, you know, the aqueduct track has been just so ridiculously slow. I mean, it's hard to, like, watch the races there. I mean, it's it's like they're running in quicksand.
2: Honestly, but- it looks... And, 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 look, if you had Barbonic at 72 to 1 and you had a Pletcher and Zach DeMauk, and, and I did catch that race, so I'm not saying like that wasn't a horrible race. But if you have that, kudos to you. To me, looking ahead a month for the Derby, that race was painfully slow. I mean, almost hard to watch slow.
1: The, the, if you watched any of the races in New York this weekend, it, it, was, it was just... It's hard to, get your, to wrap your arms around how slow that they have the track there. When you <laughs> see the Bay Shore. Is is, is, is running the Bayshore? Or... Look,
2: I'm not saying the horses are slow. I'm saying for the caliber of the Kentucky Derby, but The that track is so slow. it's so slow
1: so though. Nice Aaron, this, the Bayshore
2: for Kentucky Derby purposes, I worked, that was painfully slow to walk. When
1: I worked for Alan Jerkins, we won the Bayshore on the, the undercard of the Wood. This is like 20 years ago. He won in like seven eighths and like 120 and four. The Bayshore this year went 126. <laughs> you know like 126
2: Chuck, Chuck, you, you you and you and i've watched enough races where we don't even need to see the fractions. Oh. i mean you and i both like you can watch a race if you've done it enough times you can watch a race and you know you know visually and you don't even care about time whether or not that mattered in the grand scheme of of championship three-year-old races. watching that race I mean, honestly, I didn't even need to see the fractions. I didn't need to see the final time.
1: They I just that looked a lot like of they the were horses
2: were going up and down. They
1: looked like they. they I didn't they think were, there uh, were
2: many of them that wanted that far, much less a mile and a quarter. And to be honest, the best horse won on that day at a big price. But I'm not sure how much you can take it. I'm just from a visual eye, does it pass the eye test? One, and four, and I, I think you would agree that that wasn't an eye test
1: pass rate. What one fifty four point four nine. <laughs> brutal. But you
2: knew it watching it. Like it's you didn't need brutal. to see the final time. You didn't need to see and how fast it, it they was. All it didn't was it was uh,
1: approximately the same time as as the Phillies raced. And it was approximately the same time <laughs> as the older horses. The, the Excelsior was as a grade three is like uh yeah. you know, I mean it's like the uh I I don't know how they can Keep that race at grade three with a straight so face. So your
2: head right now. Like, you have to take a derby horse right now today. Who is it? Shit, I don't know, man. Or, it, do, you, or do you know? Do you like one?
1: I, I, I don't. And that's the thing. No. I, I, I keep looking, and I'm like, all right, go down the list. I, essential quality. I wrote a big, giant dissertation on it yesterday. On, on uh, you know, I put a newsletter out, and every once in a while, I want to feel like writing something. And honestly, I swear, I, I wrote the thing just because I wanted to use the, the, the headline, yeah. the Bourbonic plague. But... Essential quality to me lost or didn't win that race as much as, um, highly motivated lost it by changing leads back because he lost all his momentum and it looked like he was holding essential quality off. Now,
2: I don't just, I don't disagree, but I want to know. It doesn't I, I really do matter if he, like, you know, you if, think, if,
1: if, if the heads essential had been different,
2: he got what he needed out of that.
1: I, I think he got a lot out of it. My problem yeah. is that he always gets, I don't want to say it he's a versatile horse and that's that's yeah. probably his biggest strength and he's able to adapt Makes to different yep. to different um um scenarios but he always gets lucky and and that's the thing that i keep saying is what are the odds that everything's going to break his way in a 20 horse race at a short price i just don't i think he's a really good horse i just don't think he's head and shoulders above everybody else um yeah. and maybe I'm so, so, looking so too do much you think into he's it. An
2: underlay, then, like what uh, do you expect essential quality?
1: What I would play him at like six to one, and he's going to be probably two to one based upon what concert tour does.
2: Oh, God. I think you. I think you get seven to two or more on essential quality. Do you
1: really? I mean, I yeah. just don't know who people are going to bet.
2: Yeah, I. Just, I, I look. There, I think there's. I think there's five horses that everyone will buy for favoritism. I don't think it's as bad as like, you know, McPeak having a six to one favorite. I I just think it's gonna be seven to two, four to one. I I don't think there's gonna be a two to one shot. I don't think there's even a five to two shot.
1: I think if concertor tanks this week, I think essential quality's two to one or less. You got an undefeated horse and you have the I'm connect defeated, the, the, you have the, the connections ship barely the, won the
2: bluegrass with
1: a perfect trip you know the connections get get bet i mean they yeah. do get bet and it's just another thing is like again providing that midnight tour or midnight um concert tour doesn't go out and and you know smoke the field by 10 different story but just you know for devil's advocate he gets beat who else is there for the the, the general public because this is a race that the general public Bets. I mean, there's not that many races anymore where the general public's money matters. Um, but this is one that does. And well, an undefeated is, horse is one always is over bet. I mean an undefeated yeah, horse is one, is one always of over
2: races bet. where a fifty to one shot's gonna be nineteen to
1: one. <laughs> right. Like like the king. But
2: has no business being nineteen to one. <laughs> I mean ha,
1: ha, you, you know, you, you look at the you, you just look at the top pointerners. Rebels romance, night uh, like the king. Um I mean, No Agenda rates really well, and he—he and he would probably be my kind of wise guy horse. Um, and I think he can get the distance. And he's—I think the blinkers have really moved him up a lot. Um, you know, he, let, me, let me ask you.
2: This, he so seems much. like he's out Saint of style. Could... Hood and dynamic one, and Hood.
1: I, mean, Sainthood I toss. I, I don't use any. Horse? I don't use any any poly horses. But they,
2: would they shock you if they hit the board?
1: It would shock me if he would. Not, not dynamic one. I think dynamic one is pretty good. I mean, right. his sheet so, numbers are pretty when, are, are, are just one, below the top horse.
2: you know, there's six across the track, and dynamic one gets a great trip and sneaks up the rail and completes the exacta. Let's, let's are do you this. you be like, how did that happen? Let's yes. do this.
1: No. Let me ask you about a horse. I'm going to throw a name out to you, and you tell me. Would you be shocked? Like shocked, like, like sure. uh, mind that bird shocked, if they want. And I'm not going to use the obvious ones. But um, what about Mandaloon?
2: Okay, so if you're a long shot player, I'm going to say this. You want to zig when everybody zags. So if you're a long shot player, you can't be of a popular majority of opinion in any race because the odds reflect the popular majority opinion. I absolutely love that. Ninety-nine point five percent of people have jumped off the Mandaloon Bandwagon.
1: It, it, seem, it seems kind know. of bizarre, actually, that the people have just like po- people like have just totally abandoned. Like it's they're asking the question: oh, no, Are they even going to run him in the Derby? They liked him. I, I don't. I, you know, I don't hear anything about that horse. Like nothing. Like he did, but, Like he disappeared.
2: Got, I mean, look after before the louisiana derby what were what was Mandaloon in the derby future
1: he was uh, 10, 15, i think I think he was like that? like uh yeah nine ten to yeah, one i mean he was, was one of the favorites
2: forty you think nobody's betting him every expert that i know not one has said Mandaloon. <laughs> i mean not
1: he, one. he he's a horse that intrigues me because i I like those horses that that um you know kind of will just run a, a race that, you know, look like they're improving, 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 and, and maybe, you know, for whatever reason, they they don't make that next jump. And they're still a good horse. And, you know, they're just not... I mean, Secretariat lost his last race before the Derby, yeah. right? No, I, I, so...
2: No, I, I think Mandaloon. I'm only intrigued by Mandaloon because of the price you're going to get. I'm yeah. not intrigued by him on... Like, I didn't like him going into the Louisiana Derby. But... Because he is bred like he is and owned by who he is and trained by who he is. I mean, Brad Cox and Judmont kind of, they do it right. <laughs> so, I mean, if you're going to say Brad Cox, Juddmont, win the derby and you get eighty-eight sixty, that's kind of an oxymoron. That should never happen.
1: Right, right, right.
2: So, Mandalore, only because everybody jumps off would I include
1: what is what is your feeling on on? I've already kind of said this. But I jumped the gun and and, and knocked him. But uh, what about sure. helium? Uh,
2: not no yeah. Uh, I I I don't know if you, I don't know if your listeners have have heard me before. I know you have. But what happens at Tampa stays at Tampa. It's like Vegas. I want no part of. I want no part of helium. I mean, that was a nice race for him. Um. I'm still not sure what was behind him in that race. Well, and some horses just take to that track. And to be honest, some horses just hate it.
1: The, the so, hidden stash didn't exactly, um, yeah, make I'm him not look I, great. Look,
2: Tampa Tampa Bay Derby to me is a fun race to watch and
1: put I, a
2: couple of bucks down and try and beat favorites because they're always overbet. But Kentucky Derby winners out of that race,
1: my my humble yeah. brag on that is that I bet him in that race. <laughs> <laughs> but, Your purple is what? I bet him. I, I, I thought 15 to 1 was a no, real no, no, fair no. price you that day. And, and he, and day he dirty, raced really well. Put that
2: money aside but and don't bring it back that, on the Kentucky That's dirty.
1: why I was just so, like, kind of stunned that they wouldn't have tried him back in that he hadn't raced since the fall at Woodbine in two 7 ace races where he showed he was clearly a good horse. And yeah. he just, it was like, I didn't like anything in Tampa the whole year. Like, all the, the preps, like, I, I just didn't like anything, um, you know, known agenda ran in that race. The, the the Sam Davidson was kind of a bizarre starter. He just kept getting further and further and further behind. And, and then he made kind of, a, you know, he made a big run at the end, but it was, like, so, I, I said to myself, it's just this passing horses. And when Pletcher wheeled him back in 20 days and put the blinkers on him, <laughs> you know, but Todd doesn't run horses back that quick. And it was kind of like a desperation move, and, and certainly it, it worked, and, uh, I mean it got Paco Lopez punched in the mouth <laughs> because that was the race after which uh I read and smacked him. But um
2: What sad that, that <laughs> was the story of the race not that, the winner, that, by the way. Exactly.
1: <laughs> but um it just uh I, I mean I I w I bet him in the, I bet uh um I bet him in the um uh the Florida Derby. Um unfortunately I didn't use soup and sandwich second. But um I thought he was going to get the jump on, on, uh, on Chug's horse on Greatest Honor. And, like, you know, what you were saying before about Greatest Honor, it, it's to me the question is this, is that I think he's certainly talented enough. I think he's certainly bred to go the distance. Yeah. I, and, yeah. The question is, can he just not run inside or behind horses at <laughs> all? Because if he you can't. Know. It just makes talk, the I trip. To Mike I mean,
2: and, and, and by the way, for your listeners, I host a Fox Sports radio show on horse racing, the only one in Arizona, like right now. And every Saturday morning, you can tune in post com if you can't make it live. And we're syndicated in Kentucky and Southern California and all these different jurisdictions. But what are the
1: hours, Aaron? I, what's that? What are the hours are you on?
2: Uh, eight, to, 8 to 9 Pacific a.m. on Saturday mornings.
1: And, and but to,
2: you can catch it any time. Like, you can catch it after the show on sure. post radio ducks. But I had Mike Welsh on before the Florida Derby, and Mike said something I thought was so poignant. Poignant As Mike said to me, he goes, I think that Suge has a better chance of winning the Kentucky Derby than the Florida Derby. Yeah. And watching that race play out, and how it did, I, I, I completely agree with that statement. And he said it before the race, the short stretch in, you know, in, in, in the Fountain of Youth, he overcame. And then you look at the Florida Derby, and it just didn't play to his strength. And it was one of those races where you're like, well, that setup's not going to happen in Kentucky. And all you got to do is keep him in the clear. I, I just the long the the mile and a quarter. The, like you said, he's bred to go that far. The trainer takes his time with his horses. There's so much to like about him that I, I I and I'm and I'm trying to give credit here to Mike Welsh because he said it before the Florida Derby. He said, "Look, he doesn't have to win this race. This isn't the goal. This isn't the end game. This is not what they're pointing for. But this definitely is a race that he could lose." And be better set up for the kentucky derby, and i I concur one hundred percent
1: yeah he he to me it was a bigger field, he looked like he he was going to get in a little more traffic or have to go a little bit wider, and that's why I thought no agenda was going to get the jump on him. Because yeah. I, I didn't respect the speed in the race, and, and Soup and Sandwich kind of proved me a little bit wrong there. And that I, I honestly, I wasn't expecting Soup and Sandwich. He rated in a three horse race, and then in the stake, he he kind of battles with a horse who, who you know was kind of widely assumed would be on the lead coming out of uh, out of shorter races. But uh, you know, the only question I have is is that um, how does that affect the way the jockey rides him? In that, is he going to attempt to save any ground? Um, I guess post position, of course, matters a lot. And, and that's, uh, I mean, Andy Serling is, is, is famous for a lot of things. But one of the things I do agree with him in, on is, uh, you know, trying to handicap the Derby before we know who's going to be in it and who know uh, where the post positions are going to be, because that, that's going to matter a lot. Uh, you know? Yeah, comp-
2: I won't, I, I've never in the history of my life handicapped a Kentucky Derby before I saw the post draw. Yeah. I, I mean, I have thoughts in my head of sure. who I think. I like and who I'm going with and who might be working well and coming into the race even better than they were before. And that's one of the reasons I, I, I sent out my tweet on Rockier world is we don't, he's one of the very few. And I believe this, that we don't know how good he is. And if you're going to tell me I get one or two picks on a step forward in Kentucky, he's, he's on that list, man, because we just, I, I know he does things wrong. I know he's inexperienced. I know he's immature, but he ran faster than Medina Spirit in the stretch, and he wouldn't change leads right. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I just I was... look at it as like upside is so prevalent with Rockier World. I just I look at him as a move forward horse. Now, when you're talking about Suge and and what he's bringing to the Derby, I I look at it as like. I love horses that lose their final prep because they lose opinions from people, and their odds are inflated.
1: yeah, no, I agree with that. that's the same theory i try to use in that you're gonna get a better uh, set of odds because people are all going to run to the uh you know to the ones that looked impressive the last time out, but I mean you see that in day to day races horses that that have a you know a big race. And then they come back, and, and they don't uh, get the same setup, and and things change. Yeah,
0: and
2: and and by the way, look at greatest. Just watch the race. Watch the Fountain Youth for Greatest Honor. I mean, he's got a short stretch to work with. It's a speed favoring track, and he had no business winning that race. He's tucked, and he looked. He didn't look like the winner at the top of the stretch, and he blew right by everybody, doing something that probably didn't even set up well for him, and that he didn't enjoy doing. And that he was up against. To me, greatest honor, rock your world. Those are two horses that are must uses in everything that you're thinking about doing Derby Day.
1: Uh, Marty McGee just uh, tweeted out that Proxy is going to run in the Lexington, looking for uh, looking for some points. He was second in the uh, Lecomp and Risen Star, and fourth yeah, in, the so, <laughs> they're, they're, they're,
2: in the Louisiana Derby. Yeah, word
1: desperation. Earlier,
2: and I think anybody that's going to wheel back in the Lexington. Is trying to ensure themselves a starting gate spot. Like, I don't know. Like, I almost
1: can't blame them. I mean, I look at this field and it's just, I mean, it's underwhelming. It really is underwhelming. There's so little. I
2: don't know if it's underwhelming as much as it's undefined.
1: Yeah, right? there, there's just so I mean, many. There's like no one to know be scared how big of.
2: These horses are. Like, you there know? can be a superstar in this field
1: that hasn't shown himself yet. haven't
2: seen it. And, right. and by the way, concert tour in the Arkansas Derby, if he goes out and wins by 15 sets of track record, concert tour is the favorite i don't care what essential quality did
1: no no there's no doubt that the concert tour's performance is going to determine who's going to be the favorite in the derby whether it be him or or it be not be him but uh but if
2: concert tour goes out and wins by four or three or whatever and and handles his business and goes on to the derby there's no way with concerts who are an essential quality being so close. And by the way, the Baffert factor does matter, Derby Day.
1: Oh, absolutely. So N- And NBC, say, the over under on I'm them gonna showing Bob.
2: I'm going
1: to put the over under on NBC cutaways to Bob at, at like 47, if he's the favorite. <laughs> like, <laughs> Baffert will have like, his own show. But, um, well, he
2: he he he, he kind of does. He holds court every morning at Santa Anita, so yeah. he does have his own show. It, you just don't get to see it.
1: It's um, yeah, it, it, it's it's definitely it, it's come to that. And I mean, honestly, it's a six horse race, and I mean the Arkansas Derby for the, it's just man, it's.
2: I tell you what, he scared a
1: lot pools, of horses out of there. I guess
2: the pools that day. I mean, I, it, and I'm gonna be honest with you, I don't play the races as much as I did when I worked every day at San Anita like I'd walk to work and be at San Anita so obviously I I think I played a lot more than I do now but the days that I do play I'm very selective and last Saturday was such a great day to play racing and I got I got to say like Churchill the Oaks and Derby day those are two breeder's cup type days where if you like to play you can get paid to be right and you only need to be right once. If you're right once, you can win for the entire day. If you're right twice, everybody gets dinner for free.
1: No, that is that is so true and it's the one day of the year where there's more bad money in the pools than than, than ever.
2: <laughs> I don't I don't like to call it bad money. I like to call it Forgiving money.
1: Misinformed <laughs>
2: money. <laughs> you want that money keep coming
1: in? No, no, no. Bring, bring your forgiving money in there. <laughs> hey, Come on in. Hey, I'm, I'm usually the bad money in the day-to-day pools. <laughs> We
2: both we resemble that remark. I'm telling we've you.
1: Been, that. I I got I got murdered on Saturday. I, I just wasn't even close. I just threw my hands up at one point. I was like, Ah, screw this man. <laughs> uh, we it, it just wasn't and happening. And, and I'm like you. I, I I'm like the no chalk zone, man. I, I I can't I can't just keep taking chalk and every once in a while, you know. You gotta just try a chalk just to see if you can get off the schneid a little bit and 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 every time I do that they get beat. Uh, I'm
2: gonna I'm gonna give you a great story because Jeff Siegel and I were partners on T V for about fifteen years. And Jeff always wanted and Jeff is one of the best handicappers I've ever met and one of the top three most knowledgeable people in racing I've ever met as far as past performances and horses. Not as far as the business, but the the racing itself embedded. Jeff picked nine winners out of eleven races in a card one day. And I picked one, And I made, my ROI was 12 times his ROI. My point is, when you play long shots and you're right once, that is what you're looking for. When you play favorites and horses that are formful, then you need to be right about half the time. And that's hard to do. I'd rather be right once than be right half the
1: time and lose money. You're you're you don't the the noted uh, Twitter torturer of people uh, inside the pylons. That's his philosophy to a T. Double down at a big price. Like if you have an opinion, back it and and don't save and don't you know cover. uh, Don't don't you know use uh, in, in a race where there's a one to five shot. You know, you can't use the one to five shot and four other horses. It just doesn't work like that because you're just killing yourself. If you know, you're, you're taking away the the gains you would make if if when you do win by by spreading. The one something.
2: caveat, the one caveat I'll I'll add to that is betting long shots is is a trying thing. So you have to be able to survive the losses. So. If you have a bankroll that can't really survive much loss, then bet less. Like, because you will be okay over the long run if you get your long shots home. But if you can't survive the losses, there's going to be no money to bet <laughs> when it does hit. And I understand. I've been on both ends of that. So you just need a bankroll that can survive losses because eventually, my my theory is, you pick a 16-to-1 shot, I can be wrong 15 times in a row and still be even.
1: No, that's, that's so true.
2: If that 16-to-1 shot wins, and by the way, I'm not going to lose 15 in a row, but if I do, I'm still even.
1: No, I'm, so with, you. I'm with you, man. And it, it, I th- I it, think money uh,
2: management matters, and you just need to be able to survive losses if you're playing horses that aren't as formful as, say, somebody that somebody that is
1: Playing favorite. no doubt. I I I'm a hundred percent with you, and and like you said, it gets frustrating sometimes, especially when you bet one and they're thirty four to one, and they should have won, you know, and and like they get stopped on the rail, you <laughs> know, making a big move. A couple of a couple though. weeks ago, at Gulfstream, I had a horse just like that. He was like twenty seven to one. He was making a huge move on the rail and just got sawed off. And I'm like, oh <laughs> God, like <laughs> it's like I'd rather have just ran around the back and not made any moves and then that, you know, it's like, oh, it's just the frustration. But like when they do come in, like you said, you're rewarded financially and, and you, you, you get to say, Hey, you know what? I was right. And then once everybody else is wrong.
2: Well, Hey, when you have the, uh, what it could uh, in racing, I'll be on it.
1: You got it, man. Aaron, I, I appreciate your time. And, and, uh, what's give me one more time, uh, your show, the details. So,
2: based in Phoenix, Arizona, we're Post Time Radio. It's on Fox Sports 910 Saturday mornings, locally eight to nine Pacific. Um, but we're syndicated across the country. Just look up PostTimeRadio.com. You can find a station in in whatever area you are.
1: All right, great. Thank you, Aaron. Appreciate it.
2: Bro, best of luck on on Derby Day, and I hope that maybe. We figured something I'm more confused than when I
1: got on the phone with you. We'll talk afterwards. After the Derby, I hope we will so, definitely talk. Well. You got it. Thanks, Aaron. That's Aaron Veracruzzi. He has a show, as he just said, uh, formerly of um, of TVG and a graduate of uh, the finest institute of higher learning in America, the University of Arizona. Um, up next is. Uh, is one of the finest racing officials I've ever met, Mr. Sal Sinatra. Sal, are you with us?
0: Yes. <laughs> How are you doing, Chuck?
1: <laughs> yeah, now, listen, I just gave you a big plug now, so you've got to live that. up to it. Thank you got to live too. up to it. Um, Sal, if, if, if you don't know, you're, uh, what is your official title? Um, the Vice President of Racing at the Maryland Jockey Club?
0: I'm having a hard time
1: hearing. Oh can can you hear me now, Sal?
0: Yeah. So oh. I'm driving. I'm five minutes from my house. So.
1: Okay. No worries. Um. So you're um. You are, the man there at uh, Laurel. Yes. And you <laughs> have had, uh, some some really interesting situations, uh, this spring. Um, I guess we should start with the. Um, The herpes issue and, uh, you know, leading off the show, I I explained to people uh, a little bit about it and and how I had actually been involved in a situation similar to that at Turfway
0: Park. I mean, this is the virus that goes through the Mid-Atlantic almost every year. It's, you know, Russian roulette who gets stuck with it. And it was our turn this year. And unfortunately, what had happened was we had a sick horse that went to New Bolton on a Sunday. And when a horse goes to New Bolton on a Sunday, it's considered an emergency. So the junior vets that are there test for everything. Right. And EHV-1 popped up, which 30% of the population has. Therefore, it gets reported to the Department you know, of Agriculture, and then they come out and start testing the horses left and right. And like I said, 30% are going to have it in their system. So we had this giant domino effect. And we started, you know, shutting barns down one by one trying to race, trying, you know, scratch horses, whatever card sitting, of switch, cheese, we, we kind of tried to run. And then, you know, we got a, the clock ticking on Preakness. Um, you know, and as we were waiting the meet to say, okay, we're going to shut the gates to Pimlico, we had another horse get a, uh, you know, temperature. So we just said that's it. Shut them down. Let's not race for two weeks. We can't afford to, you know, Jeopardized the Preakness and Pimlico's backside, and you know, here we are today. Thankfully, you know, no more positives. We're at the tail end, and uh, hopefully, uh, Pimlico's quarantine is up on the twelfth, and Laurels is on the eighteenth, and we're all just holding our breath to get to that point.
1: Now, you you have a new meet starting uh, on Thursday. Sorry, you have a new meet starting on Thursday.
0: Yeah, so this is. Just- Well, it would have started earlier. Obviously, we canceled the first these last two weeks. So it's our spring meet at Laurel. It runs right to Pimlico's meet, which is right the week after uh, the Derby. Sure. Um, So, actually, we had uh, a half-dozen states scheduled for the 17th and we're under quarantine until the 18th, so I had to move them to the 24th. And, truthfully, we still have horses from out of town. Uh, Guys from New York and Philly, that have been stuck in our backside, and they're actually running, I think, next Thursday – you know, we made it two other men that some of the horses qualified for, so they actually want to get another start with us. Yeah. Now that they're stuck there. So well, everybody's been very good about it. Uh probably better than they thought. Usually people start losing their tempers and they're cool, but no, nah, everybody's been been in check and I think uh I think the overzealous testing as always happens just you know, just amplifies the problem. And not that any horse died from it. We had one death and that was a horse that uh, had EPM. And it was diagnosed with EPM, and it was tested negative for EHV1. That's the only horse that passed, but everybody right. else was fine.
1: Right, right. So it sounds like, you know, fingers crossed, uh, um, you'll be back in business on Thursday. Now, you're only hosting Maryland, or excuse me, Laurel Horses, right? There's no shipments at all? Yeah,
0: which is another problem. I have seven cards to fill with about 950 horses. And of those 950, a lot of more babies and turf horses that aren't even ready yet, so... You know the office did great. They closed good for Thursday and Friday, but I can see it starting to get leaner. I'm, I'm sure at some point I'm going to have to do a pull an audible and maybe you know cancel a day and flip it to pass the 18th or something. You know just to get the the out of towners chemical horses to run.
1: Right, right. Well, um, so what's the status of the turf? Um, you know, can you guys? Race a lot on it right now, or is it still kind of uh, not not Reserve, yet? The we
0: don't start till uh, next week, the sixteenth. So, the
1: Sixteenth, okay. But it, it's it. You're you're confident you'll be able to get. I mean, the weather is looking okay and everything. Yes. All right, good because that that certainly has got to help. I mean, um, and when uh the did you say the Pimlico? Okay. When, when was the Pimlico uh, quarantine over?
0: Uh, Pimlico's out on the twelfth.
1: On the twelfth, okay.
0: So they can go. Some of those guys, especially we got guys we harbor for the winter from Delaware and Monmouth. hopefully they can get out of there so we can clean up those barns for the Preakness horses to come in.
1: Sure, sure. So it be and a little crunch. Yeah, I mean it's 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 amazing that we're already talking about the Preakness. It's just not, it's just not uh, that far away. Yeah, tell me about it. I mean, what yeah, we, we have, have next? In
0: a Japanese horse, and we're all excited about that. We're trying to get. You know, confirmation if Japan's going to bet into the you know into the pools or not. And, um, you know, just boosting the old lady up right now, as we always do year after year, waiting for the big project to
1: happen. Uh, absolutely. What can you tell us about the project? I mean, has there been any movement at all other well, than just paperwork?
0: We basically submitted wish lists to the Maryland Stadium Authority, who, because of COVID, are about a year behind. But they, about a month or two ago, finally selected a, an architect and engineering firm. And I think once Preakness is over, these these guys have been walking the backside and kind of getting their, you know, their, their way around. So the purpose looks like it's going to be, uh, you know, Pimlico goes back to the state, and we'll lease that back for the Preakness meet, or however many days we want to run. But they'll use the infield for, like, ballparks and stuff for the local people. Um, and Laurel, I'm supposed to get uh, new barns. Uh, we're going to work on the track surfaces and possibly a new grandstand, so... Dormitories, so it's mainly for the health and welfare of the horses and the people living on the grounds at Laurel. Sure, that's how it was caveated, and um, yeah, I'm kind of excited about it. It's one of the few states actually investing back into racing when you know everybody else is pulling out.
1: No, that that's a very good point. And the Preakness, uh, of course, is a huge Baltimore institution, and I mean it's been there 100, you know, what 115 years or something like that. Yeah,
0: this yeah. is uh, 146. 146.
1: Yeah. Wow. Old Hilltop. But uh, how how long do you, uh, I mean, obviously there's always caveats like weather or, or some sort of issues. Um, it, it, will it be ready for next year's Preakness?
0: No. I have at least uh, this one, and I would say one to two more.
1: And they'll be run at Laurel?
0: Yeah, one for sure after this, possibly two.
1: And and, and those will be run it at Laurel? It depends
0: on which comes first, you know, whether you're going to do Laurel first or Pimlico and shift the animals which way. Right,
1: right, right. Oh
0: and that's going to be up to stadium authority. Sure. More than anybody. I mean, we'll have influence, but you know they're going to dictate the the actual project.
1: Yeah, the state's like to be in charge. But um so so you know, you know when when Pimlico is undergoing the issues or the excuse me, the um the construction, you'll be racing the, the Preakness at Laurel.
0: No. Uh one of the deals is Preakness will stay at Pimlico. So I think we'll be running maybe one in tenths there. Mhm. Or in temporary facilities, but uh, yeah, the preakness is not to loo- go to world by any means, unless I guess a catast—some you know, catastrophe. Yeah, right, right.
1: Now they're going to actually move the track, right? They're going to like sh- shift it. They're a little talking
0: bit? about it. I mean, you're talking about uh, probably a twenty to thirty million dollar endeavor to shift it. I think they're trying to true up the roads around it because we're kind of kind of cockeyed from some of the roads. Right. I'm not sure if the ends justify the means. Yeah. And I think as the MSA starts working on this project, you know, it's a limited amount of dollars. I think it's $350 million between the two sites, sure. which really isn't a lot of money when you when you look at what we're trying to do.
1: No, when you talk about those these big, giant projects, I mean,
0: you're talking yeah. uh, uh, you no You don't want to do it half, you know, you want to do it the right way. Sure. I mean, I, there's a second jewel of the Triple Crown up there, and, then, you know, we're all supposed to be the year-round facility for the horsemen, so that's got to be nice,
1: so... Well, you know what, uh, you guys have, have have worked so hard to get this deal done. Uh, it, it's like you said, you want to do it right, and hopefully, uh, hopefully everything goes well, and, and and you know there is no. Yeah, that's all we can hope. Yeah. No, hu- know, no hurricane, you know, shoots business, through or something.
0: Know. But we'll, we'll see. I mean, at least the, one thing is for sure because the bonds that'll be you know drawn for the that come out, you know, five million come out of the slots uh, money from the Horsemen towards paying the bond back. Mm-hmm. And some of the money that would come to us for capital goes into that. It's thirty years. That's almost an insurance policy for racing in Maryland for thirty years. Yeah, that's true. And I think that's the biggest thing when it's all said and done, because at least our horsemen know they have racing for thirty years.
1: Yeah, that that's actually kind of uh, an interesting way of looking at it. That the, if you think about it, we we got we got to pay you back, so you can't get rid of us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. You know, I wanted to touch on something that you had made a uh, presentation at the Jockey Club Roundtable mm-hmm. about um, something that, that I actually i am a huge proponent of. And, and that's kind of um, getting away from um, just straight conditions and claiming races the way we have them now and, and coming up with a, a different way to classify horses um, that might be, A, more effective and, and, B, take away some of the connotations of, of claiming Um Talk a little bit about that,
0: Sal. Sure. Um, I think in today's world, and I know you've done it. I'm doing it myself. Uh, you know, whether you buy a young horse or breed one and try and get it to the races, it costs a, a lot of money. And if that horse isn't a steak horse, and you got to put it in for a tag even a maiden race, there are guys out there looking for decent people who take good care of horses. They scoop them up, whether it's twenty-five thousand or whatever. And you, as the guy who develops them, lose a lot of money, so you know people are always wanting to have either waving maiden races or starter allowance with races to protect their horses from being claimed and you know it's the people that are looking to protect them are the people we want I believe in the game the people who invest the time, the effort they care about the animal, they're not in it as a commodity type thing, and it came to me that you know. I talked to this people chase people, I talked to people in Europe, you know they do this rating system, and you kind of put like horses together, and what it does is not only stops the claiming port, but it also stops the guys that you know the high percentage guys that you know run off the TV and just jam the horses down your throat, and everybody's afraid to take them. Well when this horse runs off the TV he's going to move into a different category right you know it's you, I think it's become a more it'll be a fairer playing field. The other part, and as you know, race conditions today, we're combining things to, as I always call it, the conditions in the form look like an algebraic equation. You know, how about if you got to give guys something to be able to handicap. And if you're saying, okay, it's a rating of 80 in their last six starts, hey, bam, you, know, you should get like horses, whether they won two races or eight races, if that's what they run, they should be competitive. You should get a better field. And I think it's a little easier for people to, to digest the class moves on horses. Right. Um, I agree. So I, I'm actually working really closely now with uh, Equibase and Compass on getting that rating. And I get ratings every day on the horses at Laurel. And I was actually ready to ride a couple of races before this uh, herpes virus hit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just don't want to screw up the cycle of races for the horsemen right now. But right, right. <laughs> I think once we get back from Pimlico, which will probably be. Two months later than I wanted to start, but I have permission from the horseman to ride a couple of these races. So I'm anxious to do it. Um, I'm kind of focusing on non-two, non-three, like 16 to 25 type horses—the ones that guys get lose and get claimed. Mm-hmm. If I can group them together in a rating race and see how it goes, uh, my eye is going to be on the rating versus the odds of the horse. You know how the sure. horse runs is another thing, but you know how to better. Bet the horses I think will dictate if the ratings are true or not.
1: I, I mean, uh, honestly, Sal, I was an assistant racing secretary at Yonkers, the harness track. Okay, and so you're familiar with it. Yeah, yeah, we um, they had just gotten rid of the uh, they they used to have the old A B C system, uh, you know. You, you, had, you had three separate categories: A ones, A twos, A threes, B one, okay. B two, B three. and you would go up and you go down. Of course, standardbreds race a lot more. So
0: yeah, that's the same it, distance. It's, it's a, right. It's a little bit <laughs> you know. easier
1: to do it, but they had just gotten rid of it and they'd gone back to the um, the conditions. And I remember, like, and, and standardbred uh, racing officials have a lot more leeway than thoroughbred racing officials do in that. Uh, yeah, I, I remember right. when. The rule was, at least in New York, was that when you entered the box in a race, we could put you any race we wanted to. Yep, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, I, I watched
0: it at Rosecroft. We own Rosecroft, and I saw that happen. I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. I wish I could do that.
1: Do <laughs> <Can> you imagine? <laughs> the, yeah, you're in the wrong race. We're putting you over here. But, you know, you always <laughs> wanted to get eight. And, and I remember when I was working there, Mr. Rooney was like um, – you know, I want eight in every race. I don't care. I don't want to hear any excuses. So sometimes it would be a little bit difficult because, you know, you'd have 11 entered in one race and you'd have five in another and and you'd be kind of like... You know, adjusting the condition. And, and like you were talking about earlier, um, you know, you have 17 conditions non winners of uh, 2,000 last five, or non winners of 10,000 last 10, or yeah. non winners of 40,000 uh, last calendar year, or non winners of uh, 100,000 lifetime, or, you know, gray horses. <laughs> I mean, uh, and it was one great time, and uh, it was a Saturday night in, in the summertime, and, and Yonkers used to do good. I mean, they were doing a million, million and a half in handle 30 years ago. I hate, okay. to, I hate to date myself, but um, we had a, an occasion where uh, the Meadowlands had just closed. A lot of those guys were unfamiliar with uh, uh, me. I was brand new. I mean, I was I was the twenty year old assistant race secretary, and um, we had a, a, a race where we moved a horse. And okay. I mean, it's not like now where you can get a contact. You, you know, people um, immediately cell phones or text messages or emails. Like you had to call people's like barn phones and hope that they were there and they weren't Didn't on a horse or the bar. right? So, <laughs> yeah, a lot of them at the bar. So <laughs> we moved a guy's horse and and we actually moved him up in class and and I drew I drew three of them and, and you know I, I, they were kind of the same and I said let's just you know pick one out of the three and you know blind draw moved him up. Well, the race he moved out of there was a horse who had just been imported to this country and it was an t- absolute killer. So we moved him up in class, and he was in the easier race. So the the morning, or excuse me the 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 night of the races, uh, my boss had gone in for um, uh, back surgery, so he was out for a while. So it was me, and I like I said, I was like a twenty one year old racing secretary. So this guy comes in, he doesn't know me, he doesn't know who I am or anything. He comes in the office and he's pissed off. Who the f said you could move my horse? And I'm like, who are you? <laughs> and he's like, I'm this guy. And I was like. Oh, I thought you were coming in here to thank me. Why would I thank you? You moved me to number one. Time, blah, blah. I said, "Did you look at the race you entered in?" And he's like, "Well, why should I even look at that race?" Blah, 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 blah. I said, "Listen, here's the deal. If you don't like it, just go across the go across the, the hall and scratch, and then go back to the Meadowlands, and we don't need to see you anymore. But if you look at the races and you decide that you're in a, a worse race than you entered in, well, then you're too dumb for me to to you know deal with. Mm-hmm. And as it turns out," Uh, His horse won. Okay. And uh, his horse won in like 156. And the horse in the lesser class... One by, like, 14 lengths and, like, 153 and change. Like, oh, like a tick off the track record. And and I had told the judges, because I used to, not only was I assistant race secretary, I was the guy that put the numbers on the board, like, on the video. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I had to do that from where the judge's office, you know, where the steward's office is. So I had told them the story, and, and afterwards, they picked the phone up, you know, the direct line. Said, you want to tell them something? I said, yes, I do. And I got on the phone. I said, you know, you should be thanking me, not yelling at me. Jerk and I hung up <laughs> on him, <laughs> but um, but I know the 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 points that you make are are really valid in that it's very difficult because people don't understand that um, if you if you have a million dollar yearling or you have a a two thousand dollar yearling, it costs approximately the same yeah, to get does. them to the races, and it's so difficult for um the lower end people. Uh, and that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with them. It's just people that don't have billions of dollars um, to, to burn. They, you know, there's a place for them. I mean, the Wednesdays and Thursdays and Friday cards are filled out by those type of horses. And yes. um, to just, like you said, ask someone to put a price on your horse from day one is difficult. And and uh, it's hard. And and like you said, the other part is mitigating the power outfits who take advantage of. Uh, having sometimes three and four horses in a particular class, so they 're just going to jam and jam and jam and jam yep. because they can and um, you know it 's a way to mitigate that like you 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 would you know point it out like I think that 's one of the biggest factors it 's one of the reasons why I stopped training was okay. that I felt like I had no chance, and when I was at Monmouth in the summertime and I remember talking to, to Bob Kalina, who, who you know, was a uh-huh. long, long time racing executive. And I complained about Navarro. And I said, Bob, like every race I get in, my owners call me. They don't want to run. They want to scratch. And I don't want to scratch. I go, but like, it's a factor. And, and I don't own all these horses. So I've got to do what they want to do. And they want to scratch and run somewhere else. Uh-huh. And I said, like, what are you guys going to do about it? And, you know, he said, well, what do you going to do? I said, well you know the guy comes in with 30 horses and and by you know the uh, 6 weeks later he's got 75 stalls here you guys he's just rearranging the deck chairs he's not um you know he he's not bringing horses in from somewhere else and it just felt like um you know and 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 it's other places too and it's not always guys that are doing something wrong it's just that they're 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 really strong like if you go to Belmont in the summertime and you run in a turf maiden and you don't run against a Chad Brown horse or a Chris Clamont horse or a Todd Pletcher or a Bill Mott a right. horse who mm-hmm. is a, a real expensive type horse, it doesn't matter what the purse is if you can't win it. And and that's one of the things that I think that, um, uh, that yeah, we have I to mean, deal the way
0: with. The system is now, I mean, anybody who's a small outfit just gets eaten alive. You know, and those owners get scared away and they cost them a lot of money. And I, and I think that's the one thing we've Really lack his owners. And that's why the vote crops down. You know and these guys that claim for a living that sooner or later the supply's is going to dry up. <laughs> you know, and we need we need to protect these people and and keep these people alive in the game. And I think they take better care of their horses in the long term.
1: No, it's true. I we had changed when I was on the the HVPa board down here. PJ Campbell came to me and he said. um uh, me, uh, myself and Joe Arsino, he said, listen, we want to change the voided claim rule. We want to make it stronger. Um, it's our feeling that uh, if we have a stronger rule, that it'll be better for everyone. And I agreed. I agreed wholeheartedly. Joe, Joe did as well. And we worked for a couple months on, on trying to get a rule that would fit for this particular um you know, circuit because I mean, people forget sometimes things are a little different in other circuits, and 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 the one difference that South Florida has is that the winter circuit is so much different than everything else. That's so true. we wanted to get something that w- that would work for for everything, but we also didn't want to get where people were just you know blindly claiming horses and then trying to get them voided if they didn't run well. Not that there you know was anything really wrong with the horse; they just didn't run well for whatever reason. And it took a couple months before we got that, and we got the legal uh, people to kind of you know do it. And and uh, to be honest, the 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 vet, the, the track vet, really wasn't. She, she was kind of against it because it was going to put a lot of pressure on her to have to make okay. some decisions. Um, but in the you know in the grand scheme, I think it was a good rule in that. I can't even remember all the particulars about it because we went through it a million times and like, you're never going to get a perfect rule. There's always going to be, you know, something oh, that's, yeah. no. that's, uh, that's tough. But I remember it wasn't maybe six weeks after we put that rule in a, a vet stopped me and a backside vet. And he said to me, he goes, you know, one of the smartest things you guys did was put that rule in. And I said, "You know, okay. Why do you say that? And he said, I've had so few guys call me to ask me to do things Probably wouldn't be kosher you know, to try well, to I get guess. a horse into a race and through a race, trying yeah. to
0: lose them. And get one more out of them. When, yep.
1: when they know they're going to get them back, they don't try it. And I, it was something that I, we always kind of hoped that that would happen. I mean, that was kind of one of the things you say, well, it discourages people from from jamming and running horses that shouldn't be running. And and uh, I, I mean, listen, Sal, you know as well as I do. There's a lot of gray areas in horses. We can't oh, yeah. take um, the, your, your typical $7,500 claimer. It, it's not so easy just to send them over to New Bolton every once in a while on a whim to make sure that they're, you know, <laughs> yeah. they're, you know I get them checked out. It costs more than they're worth a lot of times. Right. So a lot of times, you know, you're, you're trying to use your, your experience as a horseman and your veterinarian's experience and your rider's experience and, and trying to, you know, mitigate as much as you can but there are still gray areas and um you know it made those gray areas smaller when guys were decentivized from trying to dump a horse on someone else and well
0: or you know you know the horse needs some time mm-hmm. you know farm time costs money like you say $7,500 do everyone want to pay three months on the farm and then three months to get them back i try and lose them I'll let somebody else deal with that expense you know
1: and what you said, too, just what you, the words you said before, try to get one more start out of them. Patty Hogan, um, in concert, I think, with the New York Thoroughbred Horsemen Association, has a great video explaining why that last start is so critical in that so many horses that could be um, could be not saved, but, but could protected. find uh, protected, yes, and could find a A better landing spot because they're not quite so um injured or they you know the whatever is whatever their issue is isn't quite as bad when when you're trying that last start because number one they almost never do good i mean even in the lower levels you still your horse still has to be sound a completely unsound horse, horse is not gonna happy. win to try yes but that's and that's an owner's thing as well it's not just the trainers because the trainers see it on a day-to-day basis but the owners a lot of times um will see you know and say well hey yeah um you know there there this race came up really soft last time do you think we could try one more time and you know it's 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 a like i said it's a lot it's a gray area and it it's not as easy as people a lot of people who don't own horses who don't have any um, skin in the game they are the ones usually that uh are gonna preach to us and say, Oh well, you should do this and you shouldn't do that well it's not
0: always that easy. it's not
1: always that easy but um i I appreciate your time sal and uh uh really i, I really to hear from you
0: I'll do this time
1: uh I would love to to follow along with um what you do with your, your trying to in, implement a, I mean, what are we going to call it? A handicap system or a...
0: Right now we're going to call it a ratings race. I'll ratings. probably have it some sort of starter handicap just for the past performance lines. So I don't have to do anything creative with DRF or Equibase. Right, right. Uh, so it'll probably be a starter handicap and some sort of denotion for the rating.
1: Yeah, because I, I really think that, that that's beneficial. I think Gulfstream would be would, would be a good place to do it because they, they got a... Uh, kind of um, a static population, especially in the summertime, where you know you, you don't have uh, a parks or a mammoth or a, a, a Charlestown, you know, within a van ride. If you...
0: Yeah, and there's a lot of people who want to put that price tag on their horse.
1: Yeah, no, no doubt, and and I think I think horsemen will like it. I, I think, of course, horsemen are always skeptical. <laughs> I mean, horsemen I are skeptical think, about uh, everything. Climbing
0: mean, right off the bat, but he can certainly you know... It's another division which we don't need more conditions, but maybe the way to start around with races and we'll do these races instead. No for some to that effect. And I, I think we, any we need to pare down the conditions.
1: I think any way that we can group horses of a like ability together um is gonna be beneficial for, for not only the horsemen but for, for the for the players as well because you're gonna get competitive exactly. races. Well, thank you. I appreciate your time, Sal. And um, yeah, let me know how it goes with with that. I will. Uh, because well, I look
0: forward to following up with you.
1: I'm your biggest proponent on that. I, I'm really a big, big backer of that, and I believe it. I believe it'll work, and uh, I, I hope it works for you
0: guys. All right, I'll keep some communication, and we'll, we'll circle back on it.
1: You got, it, and good luck with the uh, the you know the herpes deal. Let's. All right, thank you. Keep our fingers crossed. Thank yeah, you for sure. Appreciate it. All right, everybody, that was Sal Sinatra. The Maryland Jockey Club. Uh, I really think that the rating system is something that that can be hugely beneficial. That I just think that people are so set in their ways in this business in so many ways. And um, Barry and I talked about it last night about how, like, why not give it a try? What who's doing so well? What track? What circuit? What what, what uh, um, group is doing so well? that we can't try something like this because it's not if, if it doesn't work, you're not really losing anything, but what if it does work? What if it's better? What if the, what if the horsemen really like it? What if the gamblers really like it? What if we can have 10 horse fields, um, without 75 to one shots and one to five shots? I mean, doesn't that sound like something that you'd be interested in? I mean, I would. Um, but I do appreciate Sal giving us, uh, Give me some time, and and, uh, hopefully, the you know they can get that Laurel meat going, and no more positives. And uh, the pinnacle goes out, goes off without any issues. Um, We're gonna go to break, and we're gonna come back with Kim Weir from the
0: TRF. Why, in the past decade, has BRL Equine become the premier equine supplement company in the industry? Because we spend millions in research and development before we ever put out a product. Because we use only FDA-supervised facilities to manufacture for us. Because what we say is in them is in them. Because they work. Because if you're not happy, I'll give you your money back. And because top trainers and veterinarians in thoroughbred racing, standardbred racing, three-day eventing, and barrel racing all trust in BRL Equine. Shouldn't you? To find out more how Flexify HA Unlocked Bleeder Shield and EPO Equine can help you, contact me, Joseph Alante, 215-501-6880.